Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Let's open to the book of Romans chapter 1 and we'll be reading from verse number 18 on to the end. The Bible says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest to them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power, Godhead, eternal power and Godhead, so that they were without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thinking, in their thoughts, and their, and their, and their, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Uh, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into images of made like unto corruptible men, and birds, and forfeited, be- forfeited animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passion, for even their women exchange the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise, also the men living the natural use of the women burned in their loss for one another. Men with men committing that which committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty for their error, which was due. And when and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with unrighteousness and sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil mindedness, evil mindedness. They they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedience to parents, on the undiscerning, on trustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Verse number 32. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. May the Lord bless the reading of his words in Jesus' name. Now from this fall, the, the, the way we are going to be looking at this verse, Studying this very evening is I'm going to point out just four main things that Paul the Apostle talked about that is taught in this verse of scripture that we've read. And the first thing that I want you to look at is the revelation of the word that Paul, the first thing I want you to, that Paul referred to in this verse of scripture is the revelation of the wrath of God. If you look at verse number 18, the Bible tells us that he said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The question is why? Why is the wrath of God revealed? Paul the apostle went on to tell us, he said, The reason that the wrath of God is revealed is very simple. Number one, the ungodliness of men. 
In other words, they know what they are supposed to do, but they are ungodly. Number two is their unrighteousness. Number three, number three and most importantly, is the suppression of the truth of the word of God. In other words, they know what the word of God says. They know what the God of God has been revealed. They understand the things that God has said he wants to do. But their intention, the Lord Almighty's wrath is now kindled because they deliberately, knowingly suppress the truth of the word of God. In other words, Paul is basically saying that sin and the result of sin is basically the reason why the wrath of God is revealed. That's basically what he's saying. That everything that we are talking about now, the anger of God, the judgment of God, the wrath of God, is as a result of sin and the actions of sin and the consequences of sin and the product and the product, the product of sin that is sin among men. So that's the only reason why the wrath of God is being revealed because of sin. Okay, the wrath of God is still being revealed. That is the issue that we are facing today. It's not just in the days of Paul the Apostle. It's not just in the days when this particular epistle was written. But the interesting thing that we must keep in mind is that the wrath of God is still being revealed against all ungodliness, against all unrighteousness, as long as it's exhibited in the life of his people. The wrath of God will still be shown in those areas. The second thing what we see from the verses of scripture that we read is the justification for this particular wrath of God. It's not just the revelation of the wrath of God, but the justification for the wrath of God. Paul the Apostle is saying, not only is the wrath of God revealed because of the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of sin, Paul is saying that there is a justification for why God is pissed with these people. Why God is angry, why God is, why God is wrath of God's wrath is revealed. God is justified for being angry, you know, at the unrighteousness and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, unjust, and, and the ungodliness of men. Men that have, you know, God, God has a reason why these things are, why he's angry with them. And Paul the Apostle is saying that uh, the reason is what you see in verse number 19 of Romans chapter 1. Paul is saying God is not just angry. There's a reason for his anger. And that anger is, uh, verse number 19 says, because what may be known of God is manifest to them. In other words, you cannot claim that you don't know there's a God. He's saying that what it may be known of God is manifest to them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, have, they are without excuse. In other words, all he's saying, the wrath of God is revealed because God has made himself known to man. Don't know, has made himself known to man. He said, everything that God created, every work of his creation, they declare the glory of the Almighty God. And the Bible is making us to understand that there are two types of revelation. The first one is the general revelation, which Paul is talking about here. And that general revelation talks about, number one, that God reveals himself in nature. That's what he's saying. That in nature shows the glory of God. Everything that is created says the nature shows that shows that yes, that God there is a God that exists. You cannot walk into a room that is organized like this and just feel like the chairs appeared out of nowhere, that they organized themselves out of nowhere, that the microphone just appeared because the element had nothing, they don't know what else to do. They just decided to come together and amplify the voice of this African man. He said it doesn't exist like that. God Almighty has shown himself to be God in the things that he created. He said that's a general revelation. Okay, not just the general revelation. There is also there is also the revelation of God that He has made through our own conscience. Okay, God has revealed Himself in our own conscience. You know that what when you do something bad, you know, you don't need to be told. 
When you do something that is completely out of the ordinary, you find a justification. And that is why you don't need anybody to condemn you. Your conscience already condemned you. Paul the Apostle is saying that there are this particular kind of revelation. The general revelation that I've been given, there is also the specific revelation or the special revelation. That God gives as a result of his words. That God gives through his prophets. That God gave through the son. The revelation of his son Jesus Christ. Those are the two. But he's saying that even if you don't have access to the special revelation. Even if you don't have access to the prophets. Even if you don't have access to the word of God. Even if you don't have access to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said you still have the general revelation. You still have that general revelation. And if you go back to verse number 19. And it says because what they may know. That's what they may know of God is manifest to them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Okay, his are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that there is nobody without any excuse. Okay? Paul is saying that you cannot argue that God did not give you enough evidence of his existence. Paul is saying that you cannot say that I do not know about the existence of God because God has revealed himself to you through his existence, through his nature. He has revealed himself through you in your conscience. And though those, those revelations may be partial, those revelations may be imperfect, they are still revelation altogether. Because those things do, they testify to a higher power. They testify to a living God. They testify to a created being. Okay, and please understand that when the Lord God Almighty did all this, he did it so that he can draw his people to him. Okay, the both revelation, the general and the special revelation, God Almighty is saying that you don't have an excuse not to worship me. You don't have an excuse not to bow before me. God has given every person some information about himself. And no matter how limited the information is, no matter how separated you think you are from that information, we have a responsibility to live according to that understanding of the revelation that has been given to you. So if you know that there is a God, if you know from the things that have been shown that these things do not appear on their own, you have a responsibility to do what? To serve that particular God. And that's why the Bible says God is justified for revealing his wrath upon the people who are unrighteous and who are unholy. Okay? That is why the wrath of God on the ungodly and the unrighteous men is justified. We have seen from the verse of scripture, this two verse of, this verse of scripture that we've read up to verse, this verse number 20 now, we have seen up to that point, Paul has talked about the wrath of the, the, the wrath of the Almighty God that has been revealed on the ungodly man. God, Paul has talked about the justification. The third thing that you will see from this verse of scripture, the third thing you will see is that, the, 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 that we've just read is that the deliberate rejection of God by men. Both God, you know, both the God, the, the ungodly and the unrighteous man. The deliberate rejection of God. Romans chapter 1, if you start reading from verse number 20, the Bible tells us there. It says, For the invisible things of him, from the creature, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being made, uh, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Verse number 21 now, because that's when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imagination. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. In other words, Paul is saying, that the verse is saying in this verse of scripture, not only is the wrath of God revealed, not only is God justified for revealing his wrath on the people who are living an unrighteous life, Paul is saying that man has basically been, you know, has basically given God the middle finger. 
God has, the man has basically said to God that God can do whatever he wants to do. Okay? Man has basically said to God, I don't care whether you are angry. I don't care whether you have revealed yourself to me. I don't care whether you have spoken to my conscience. I don't care whether you have shown me the glory of yourself by the things you created. I will do what I will do. That's what Paul is saying. And that is what man has thumbed you know, his fist to the Almighty God and said, I can care less for what you think. And that is why in verse number 21, the Bible says, because they, you know, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Not, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish heart were darkened. In other words, Paul is telling us, the problem of man is not that they don't know that there is a God. That's not the problem. The problem of man is not that they don't have enough evidence for the existence of God. The problem of man is not whether Jesus Christ is the only way. No. If God gave them 500 ways, they will ask for 501. That is just the way man is. So the problem is not whether there is a limited way or whether there is a hill or whether there is a God has not revealed himself. That is not the problem. The problem is not whether God has shown himself. The problem according to the verse of scripture that we have read is number one. Man prefer unrighteousness and wickedness. Simple. The problem with man is that man deliberately ignores what he knows about God. Is a deliberate ignoring of the things of God. Number three is an intentional suppression of the truth of the word of God. Number five, it is a man's stubborn refusal to acknowledge the truth. That is what the problem is. It's not because God has not revealed himself. It's not because the preachers have not been clear enough. It's not because there is no evidence. It's not because there is no power in the gospel. It's not because the healing God, the healing power of the Almighty God is no, is no longer effective. No, that is not the problem. Some people even act this because of the hypocrisy in church. And I tell them, your bankers steal money, but you still put your money in the bank. Your politicians lie to you, yet you still vote for them. So don't tell me it's because there is a lie in the church. Don't tell me it's because your pastors are stealing money, which is not a good thing. But that is not an excuse not to serve God. Paul is saying the problem is not whether you don't know God. The problem is not a question of hypocrisy. The problem is not because the church is now is not becoming a business. That is not the problem. The problem is that the heart of man loves to do something evil. And it's evil continually. And the interesting is that the all the interesting is, is that, that this action, the action of man, ignoring the things of God, suppressing the truth of the word of God, pushing the things of the of, of the Almighty God to the to the background, deliberately mischaracterizing, mischaracterizing the things of God, is that these things have consequences. Just on Easter Sunday, some people died. And some people were referring to those people who died as Easter worshippers. Is there anything like Easter worshippers? That is a deliberate suppression of the word of God. It's a deliberate suppression of the truth. You know there's nothing like Easter worshippers. There are Christians only that are worship, that, 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 that worship on Sunday on Easter day. But the idea is that Paul is saying, it is not the revelation of God that is lacking. It is not the power of God that is lacking. It's the deliberate rejection of the word of God. And that is the fourth thing that Paul talked about in this verse of scripture. The deliberate rejection of the word of God. The deliberate re- removal of the things of God. And there are consequences for these things. And Paul now outlined the consequences. I'm going to give you six of the consequences that Paul talked about in those verses of scripture. By the time you start reading from verse number 21, Paul now begins to talk about the various consequences that are in there. And the question that comes to mind when Paul starts discussing this thing is that, what happens to the life that rejects Christ? That is the question. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have a choice to be able to say, I don't want to serve God. 
You have a choice to turn your back on the Almighty God. But the point, but, but the question that comes to mind is that what happens in the life of the individual? What happens in the life of a family? What happens in the life of a church? What happens in the life of a society? In the life of a community? In the life of a nation? When they decide to deliberately reject the Almighty God, what happens to them? And Paul the Apostle tells us in verse number 21, he said, because although they knew God, they did not but they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their hearts were what? Darkened. The Bible makes us to understand that the man or the woman, the community, or the church, or the society, or the nation that rejects God will always tend to darkness. That's what it's going to be. When you reject God, automatically you allow darkness to kick in. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of 1 John chapter 1. If you read from verse number 5, it says, Then is the, this is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, then we are liars and the truth is not in us. In other words, when you decide to turn your back on God, when you decide to not to accept him, when you choose not to be able to bow your knees at the altar of the Almighty God, what you have done is that you have flipped the switch and you have allowed darkness to come in. That that's the first consequence of what happens to the life that decide to reject the Almighty God. So what is the consequence? What happens to the life that rejects Christ? Paul the Apostle tells us number two. When the man rejects Christ, they tend towards idolatry. Look at verse number 22. He said, professing to be wise, they became fools. He said, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like unto corruptible man, and unto profited beasts and creeping things. In other words, when you choose not to serve the Almighty God, when you choose not to bow your feet at the, at the throne of the Almighty God, what you will end up doing is that you are going to bow at the throne of a lesser God. And that lesser God will be image of creeping things. It will be image of lizards and dogs and animals. It will be image of things that make no sense. If you read Isaiah chapter number 44, reading from verse number 15, Isaiah began to describe it. Isaiah now looked at the irony of what human beings do. Isaiah said that men want to pray, they want help. They begin to appeal to a God, appeal to something that is weak. He said they want life. They start talking to something that is dead. Isaiah said that they want help. They start talking to something that is incapable. They are praying for Johnny Mercies, but they are praying to something that cannot even move his feet. That is the irony of a man who decides not to serve the Almighty God. The man that chooses that he's not going to bow his knee to the Almighty God will end up bowing his feet to something that is lesser than God. And that is what happens to an individual, to a family, to a nation, to a church that decides not to talk, that decides to, to reject the Almighty God. Number three, Paul the Apostle says that when a man decides to abandon and reject God, God himself decides to abandon that individual. Verse number 24 says, therefore God give them up to their uncleanness. In other words, he lets you go. Bible makes us to understand that it says, and my soul will know, my spirit will no longer strive with man. Because why? The thoughts of his heart are evil continually. In other words, I'm not going to continue to fight you. God is a perfect gentleman. 
When you reject him, he walks away. He leaves you alone. The Bible says God gave them over to their shameful lust and a depraved mind. God does not God does not rescue them from the from the from the from the uh, from the result of their own action. They end up suffering the consequences of their own action. And this happened in the life of children of Israel. Several times they will depart from God, and God will leave them alone. They will suffer their consequences, and then they will come back to God. God does that so that He can bring you back, and so that you can get your senses. But the fact that you depart from him, he leaves you alone. At one point in time, he stopped pursuing you. I pray we will never get there in Jesus' name. And the spirit of the Almighty God will not abandon us. Number four, Paul the Apostle tells us, he said the man or the woman that rejects God will end up to a perversion and a dysfunctional lifestyle. You don't need to tell that story within our community, you can see it. You can see the level of perversion. Read verse number 26, the Bible says, For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their loss for one another. Men with men committing that which is shameful and receiving themselves the penalty for their error, which was due. And even when they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to the base mind to do the things which are not fitting. Basically, the Lord is saying that when you turn your mind away, when you deliberately reject God, what you do is that you open the door to perversion. You open the door to dysfunctional lifestyle. You open the door to depravity. All sorts of evil, you open the door to that person. When we reject God, we cast off restraint. Because it's the spirit of the almighty God that is restraining us. It's the spirit of the almighty God that is giving us the path. And he's saying, this is the path that you need to walk. You don't need to cross over to the other line. But as soon as you reject God, you cast off restraint. The spirit of the almighty God that holds you back, that holds you back from doing foolish things, is no longer involved. And all sorts of perversion now finds its way into the life of an individual. That is why when the people leave God, sin begins to multiply in their lives. Iniquity begin to pile up upon iniquity. And the Bible makes us understand that sin always begets sin. Once an individual, a family, or a nation set out on the path of sin, it becomes easier for them to be able to practice evil as well. Because you are no longer, there's no longer restraint. And soon evil becomes normal in that kind of an environment. People start sinning without thinking twice. And that is why when a nation sends God packing, when they send nation out of the school, when they send God out of the school, when they send God out of the public square, you look at how evil has multiplied. Initially it was to be able to kill babies because they are about to help, they are going to hurt the, hurt the mothers. Now they kill baby for convenience. It is not enough to kill the baby when they are in the womb. They now kill them when they are delivered just to say that we decide whether the baby, whether the mother wants the baby or not. We have gone the evil when you have kicked God out of the life of an individual, the you know, perversion will follow and a dysfunctional lifestyle will be the results. That is what happened. When a group of people decide to follow, you know, reject God. Number five, Paul the apostle said that when you reject God, it leads to death. And that is what he wrote in the book of Romans chapter six. In verse number 23, he said, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you go to verse number 33, verse number 32 of that Romans chapter 1, he said, Bobo, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things deserve death. Not only do the same, but they are proof of that same practice for others. 
In other words, when you begin to depart from the Almighty God, when you walk away from the Almighty God, what you have simply done is that you have opened the door for the enemy. You have opened the door for death to come in. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis chapter 2, in verse number 17, when the Lord was talking to Adam, he said, Adam, Make sure that this particular tree, that is the tree of life, he said, make sure you don't eat from it. Because the day you eat from it, you are going to die. What is he talking about? He said, you are going to cut yourself from the source of life. And as soon as you cut yourself from the source of life, what happens? You trigger, you activate the power of death in your life. And that is what happened when you cut away from the Almighty God. Because you cut yourself away from the source of life. You cut yourself away from the thing that is supposed to make you whole. You cut yourself away from the source of life. And the Bible makes us understand that without him you can do nothing. So, one of the results of rejecting the Almighty God is death. If you reject God in your finances, you see death follow. You reject God in your family, you see dissolve. You see all sorts of issues going on. You reject God in your career, all that. Anywhere God is rejected, death is always going to follow that area. But the most important, interesting consequence of rejecting God that Paul talked about in this verse of the scripture is what you see in that verse number 32, in the later part of it. The Bible says, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving deaths. Now look at the next thing. He says, not only do they do, not only do the same, but they approve of them who do them. In other words, when you reject God and you push God out of your life, what you find is that the practice of sin that you were doing privately will now be made public. And when you make the practice of private sins public, what you now begin to do is that you begin to insist that people accept that practice of private sin and make it a standard of their own life. When you get to that state, you know that perversion has taken over. And that's what you see in our community today. Those who have rejected God not only practice evil in their own life, but they make sure evil practice, evil practice is a matter of public encouragement. They want to make their sinful conduct the standard by which others may live by. And that is the consequence of rejecting the Almighty God. Because when you kick God out, the way you live, you believe that is the best way. The Bible says that it's a way that seems right to a man. He said, but the end thereof is what? Is death or destruction. So the point we are making is that the consequence of kicking God out of any life, the consequence of kicking God out of any community, the consequence of kicking God out of any nation, is that we begin to moralize, we begin to standardize, we begin to make it compulsory, that people begin to practice and endorse our private sin as the standard of life. And that is why before you do anything, they begin to put you to a test. Do you believe in this particular moral depravity? Do you support this particular lifestyle? Do you, do you, do you endorse this particular kind of behavior? And if you don't do that, it means you are not qualified for public office. It means you are not even qualified to stand up again. Some people have even gone to the state, to, to the extent of saying that if you do not endorse a particular kind of behavior, you are not even qualified to be alive. The day is coming and the day is fast approaching that when we people like us will stand and will preach the gospel and we do not endorse a particular behavior, that particular church will be closed and I will be charged with hate crime. It's coming. When God is kicked out of the life of an individual, when God is kicked out of the church, when God is kicked out of a nation, people will begin to criminalize moral behavior. And that is what we're getting to. The question this very evening 
It's not whether you know there is a God, because you know there is a God, and God has said he has made himself revealed. The question is, are you seeing any of the signs in your life? Are you seeing any of the signs in your family? Are you seeing increasing darkness in any area of your life? Do you have a tendency of worshipping things that are lesser than God? Worshipping your beauty, worshipping your finances, worshipping your career, or worshipping your accomplishment? Are you beginning to see yourself having the tendency to worship something that is lesser than God? Do you have a sense of abandonment that God is no longer is no longer near to you? Do you see an increasing tendency to you for perverse behavior or for dysfunctional attitude? Do you feel lifeless and dead and deadness in your life? Or are you making your own private sin to become a standard for others to follow? The message of Paul the Apostle in the verse of scripture that we read is a very simple message. It tells us, number one, God hates sin. Number two, that God hates sin and God finds sin abhorrent. And that God will judge sin and his wrath is upon that particular sin. But God also wants to move his people away from the bondage of sin and give them the, the, the freedom that he has bought with his own son, with the blood of his son Jesus Christ. He wants to break the power of sin and transform the lives of those who are held by it. That is the message of the cross. That is the message of this chapter. That is what Paul the Apostle is trying to communicate to the people in Rome. The question is, do we have that message? And are we willing to accept that offer? Are we willing to search our lives and find out that the things that are in there, that are making the, that are beginning to creep into our life, are gradual rejection of God? Are we beginning, are we aware of it and are we willing to put a stop to it? That is the question. And as you answer this question individually, I pray the Lord Almighty will give us the strength to be able to stand tall, even in this challenging time. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.